to your mother. It's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bowen Sheila in the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis. Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill. It's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo for party are coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings. The Eagles are Super Bowl champions. I'm going to get drunk. Where them beers, where them beers. All bottles on Mr. Lurie tonight. Damn, that's going to make me throw up. What was it like to have Bradley Cooper in the booth? We the best. No one could have got me a Caprice. Where's the ball security? Touchdown, Tom. Loser. Nick Foles never lost the Super Bowl. Welcome on in, Birds with Friends Radio. Joe Giglio with you and with me here in studio, Shio Kapadia, Bo Wolf of The Athletic for the next hour. How you guys doing? Shio, what's up? Doing well. I did not think this episode would be us talking about the four and five Eagles. Where is this season going? I felt very confident that they would win that game, but here we are. So lots to unpack. What I did homer. too. Bo, I, uh, I picked a blowout on Friday. Eagles in a route, and then that didn't turn out the way I thought. I mean, I had my reservations, uh, especially about this team uh, as a whole, yeah, but I did not yeah, expect yeah. them to lose that game. I thought I thought that they would win that game for sure. So and, I, I am a little surprised. And they came out, and they were flat. The first quarter was the most disconcerting part. Off of a bye, you, and the Cowboys off a short week, the way we talked about last week, and they came out, and they had just no energy. Well, I mean, what's frustrating is this was the same team we've yep. seen all season long. You can't do anything on offense in the first half. You can't do anything, stop anybody on defense in the second half. Uh, and I think that is what is so disappointing. They're coming off the bye. You'd think maybe they corrected some things. No, they look exactly the same. And I think it, is, it was sort of the final nail in the coffin of, okay, maybe these guys can get back some of the magic they had last year. Listen, last year is gone. It is never coming back. This year is this year alone. And this year, they are a 4-5 and five team. They are a very mediocre football team. They've earned every bit of four have, and five. Yes, that's exactly it's not, right. It's not by accident. All right, here's what we got coming up in this episode. We have our three big questions to start us off, and then we'll get to uh, this week. We'll have Goldie Finch and the three errs. So we'll talk about that <laughs> and what that is coming up. Let's start with our first of the three big questions. And, Bo, I like the way you put it. It's over. Last year is over. But this season, in its own self as a vacuum, is this season over? Shield, are the hopes for the playoffs this year over at four and five? If you're asking me right now, would I bet the uh, very small savings account on the Eagles getting to the postseason? I would say no. However, I don't think it's over. And it's just a very strange season where you're in this terrible division and you haven't played Washington yet. I mean, everyone's talking about the Saints game. Obviously, that's coming up Sunday. The reality is that's not a must-win game. They can lose that game and still be alive. So uh, it's not over. I just had, you know, you would have liked to see some signs. And you would really like to see some signs This Sunday of not getting blown out. I mean, you can lose that game, like I said, but maybe the offense gets going. Can you score 30 points like every other good team in the NFL? Finally, that kind of thing. Then maybe you can talk yourselves into, okay, they figured some stuff out. They've got some weaker opponents left on the schedule. If they can beat Washington twice, win their division games, you could still win the division at nine and seven. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at it, the season is far from over. They have the two games left with Washington, as you said. Even if they lose, and we expect them to lose on Sunday to the to the Saints, and Washington holds serve at home, they go three games up. It's still not over because you've got those two games. I think the Eagles can win the division if they sweep their division games at even at nine and seven. If you give them a loss against the Rams too, I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep the division and go eight and eight if they still win the division. But I don't think this team is good enough to sweep the division games. They can lose to anybody. We have seen that. 
Uh, and so I don't, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but there's, there's no way that it is over yet. It feels like they have to be put out of their misery for us to, to believe it. Like the, the, we, it feels like there's an expectation, oh, the Redskins are going to keep losing games. Where they're 6-3. and three. They, At some point, if the Eagles keep losing games, and Sunday will probably be their sixth loss, the math just stops working against them unless they and win you know, out. What's, what's sort of funny is, I don't know if you feel this way, Shiel, but I feel like the guys in the locker room sort of still believe, not even, not even believe that they can make it. They're still sort of expecting to make it. And I wonder if there isn't that sense of urgency that you might expect for for a team that is this far backs against the wall. Well, I mean, it's not that surprising. Nine games ago, they were Super Bowl champs. I mean, think of how they look at themselves, how, you know, we look at them to some extent, although that is fading very quickly. But, yeah, you know, they can talk all they want about sense of urgency. I thought Jim Schwartz brought up an interesting play uh, in that game. You remember the Cowboys had the big play, and then they ran the QB sneak with tempo with Dak Prescott. Uh, he was irked by that play. And if you watch that play, uh, I mean, on film, they are not getting lined up. They're lined up incorrectly. They don't put up much of a fight for Prescott to get into the end zone. And so that's why I hate all these cliches about, oh, it's a sense of urgency. Of course it is. And we're doing this, that. And you put a play like that on tape and your coach is sort of calling you out on it. Uh, you know, the actions don't really back up the words there. Yeah, I'll just, uh, my take on it was watching the game live. That, mo- that play you're talking about? The Cowboys sprinted to the line, and the yeah. Eagles did not. And that, that's an indictment on yeah. them. And, that, and you know what? I feel like over the years, or certainly last year, that would be the Eagles doing that to another team. Yeah. They like doing that after a big play. A lot of offensive coordinators say, get up there, run tempo. The defense is sort of uh, out of sorts at that point, and maybe you can get a big play. But, yeah, I mean, I really, even last year, uh, Bo can back me up on this. When the defense wasn't playing well, we were always like, you know what, they, they play really hard, and they're swarming to the ball, and they're not the most talented, and they give up plays. But, I, you know, I was giving Jim Schwartz a lot of credit. These guys play hard on every snap. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't think they've quit or that's consistent. But, you know, that's one play in Week 9, and you're kind of curious to see where they go from here. I do think that swarming to the ball thing is true. Uh, and, and, you know, there was some talk about, you know, Maybe the defense is uh, just bad at tackling, and I don't think that they, I don't think the reason that they've been giving up these yeah, points is no. like one-on-one bad tackling. I think there is a, a lack of everybody sort of rallying to the ball. Even that play that Rasul Douglas gave up, you know, that that twenty-five-yard gain he gave up on third and fifteen because he lets Michael Gallup get to the outside. I'm not sure that if he lets him go to the inside, if it's still not a first down because yeah. there was nobody else there. So only Jenkins was the only guy there. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Bo Wolf, Shil Kapati with us. It is Birds with Friends Radio, 888-729-9494 for Hop and Let's hit our second question here because it feels like we've been asking the same question in different ways all year. They don't score points. I mean, look, Sunday night the defense didn't play well. We just talked about uh, some issues they have on defense. But they're 21st in the NFL in points per game. They were third last year. The Eagles don't score enough points to consistently win. What's the biggest problem with this offense? We now have nine games of evidence that they're not a very good offense. They're below average. What What's the biggest issue, Shio? I mean, to me, I think it's that they have to work so freaking hard for everything. And you just, there are no plays where you're chucking it downfield and you have a 40-yard touchdown and boom, just like that, you're coming back in a game. And the numbers back that up. I mean, last year, they had 11 explosive pay- plays for touchdowns. This year's they have three. That means three touchdown passes out of outside the red zone through nine games. I mean, that's incredible. I know they don't have uh, great personnel. They lost Mike Wallace, Matt Collins, 
all that. But to just have to work so hard, it's like even when they have a 25-yard gain, it puts them into the red zone, Then and then all of a sudden you need to execute perfectly in there. So I think if they could just get, get some element of that quick strike offense, and you know they've tried to dial up some shot plays, it hasn't been there. But to me, that's kind of the biggest thing missing from this offense right now. I read an insightful article this week on theathletic.com slash Philadelphia mm. by some guy named uh, Shiel Kapadia. Was it a deep dive into handsome the offensive man, issues? Good website, handsome man. Yeah, good-looking good looking yeah. head on that guy. And uh, I think, it, what was it, an upon further review, I think it was called. And he, he highlighted how a lot of the underlying numbers in this offense are basically the same as they were last year, except that there are two big differences. One is red zone. Uh, they have not been quite as effective in the red zone, about 10 percentage points uh, less successful in terms of getting touchdowns. And the other one is no turnovers forced by the defense. They were at the top of the league last year. They're at the bottom of the league this year. Uh, and those are opportunities either for the defense to score or set the offense up with a short field. They are playing uh, with tougher field position than they were last year. And what's what was fascinating is that Doug Peterson said the same thing today. I think he was reading that article, too. He's probably going to be listening to this podcast, I would imagine. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. We, we always, Jack and I always talk about how the people involved in sports in the city yeah. listen to the evening show. So, oh, yeah. I mean, Doug will be listening. Course, I'm yeah. sure he was reading. Is it that simple, though? He watched the Eagles, and last year they were dominant. I, they, don't, I don't think that they it, blew is, everybody it is out. just that simple. I think there are more underlying problems with the offense. Some of the things that Shields said, well, I don't think there's enough speed. And the offensive line has not been as dominant as it was last year. And we haven't even mentioned the run game. I mean, you know, it's it's not as important in today's NFL, but at the same time, like, no one is scared of this run game. There is no back. I mean, opponents probably don't even mention the name of the Eagles running backs until, like, Thursday or Friday when they game planning. I mean, I don't even think they mention their names. Yeah, I think they it's might just, just have numbers. a number. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think Al Michaels knew who, like, Josh Adams was when he was. Uh, I'm, I'm not uh, sure. I still know who he is. <laughs> okay. So, uh, th- yeah, there are elements that are missing, so we're kind of giving the reasoning. But, you know, the reasoning part of that is offensive line hasn't been good, run game hasn't been good, scheme hasn't been as creative, as sharp, as crisp. All those things kind of come together, and then what we've mentioned is sort of the end result of what's missing. How about Carson Wentz? I, I, st- I talked about him tonight at 7 o'clock. We can have him. This station has a million conversations every week about the Eagles and their issues. Carson Wentz's name never seems to come up. Yeah. Now, he's having a, a better year in some areas. Completion percentage is way higher. Here, here's what I see. I see a guy that last year just made plays. I, I don't see any of those plays. Like, if you go back, I think NFL, their Twitter account, tweeted earlier this season. Here, we'll look back at Carson Wentz's 10 best plays of 2017. I think eight or nine of them was with his legs. He made a play with his legs. Either he was running around, just like trying to get away from the defender, or he was sprinting out, whatever. I don't see many of those. And I don't know if it's Doug trying to protect him, if it's Carson playing differently, if it's the players around him, if it's the scheme. Bo, is Carson Wentz, how much of this is on Carson Wentz? I'll put it that way. Well, that's uh, that's a great tease because that's exactly what we get into in Goldie Finch and the three airs. But I think... uh, it's hard to say because he is the best player on the team. He is the most important player on the team. He is the reason that you have any semblance of faith that sure. they could still make the playoffs. But at the same time, the bar is higher for him because he, he is at that level of a premium player. I, the the leg stuff, I, I mean, he has made fewer plays with his legs this year, but I think that is probably for the best in terms of the long-term health of the franchise. So I, I don't worry about that too much. I, I think that there really is a, a scheme issue, as, as Sheila has talked about, I mean, you look at around the league, these guys are running wide open all over the place, and every uh, Carson Wentz completion is like with a guy draped on the, the receiver's back, even the fourth and the seventh throw to Zach Ertz. It's like everything is just so hard. He's making difficult throws, 
He's not turning the ball over in the air, at least. It's hard for me to, to impugn him too much. It does feel, I will agree, it feels like there's another level for him to get to. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what you, may, what you said is a good point. You know, not necessarily running for all those first downs, but the improvisational plays. I mean, obviously the guy's coming off knee surgery, so you probably came into this season thinking those plays weren't going to be there for you. And maybe it's reflective of, wow, that covered up a lot last year. I think it did. You know, maybe yeah. these, some of these issues were existent last year, but the guy's buying time and he's chucking it downfield 40, 50 yards, and you say, wow, those plays outside of the structure of the offense, you know, they don't hit you in the moment. But, you know, that, that would actually be a fun exercise. You know, maybe I'll, I can go back and look at that. How many big plays, how many touchdowns from last year were just Carson Wentz making something crazy happen, and you don't have those this year. I think it would probably be a decent amount. And so the way he's being asked to play now – the numbers are crazy. I mean, I can't believe it when I look at them. Over 70% completions, 8 yards per attempt, uh, 15 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. But, you know, there have been, like, little plays, especially late in games, obviously against Carolina on that last series. And even in this game in the second half, you know, that throw to Alshon Jeffrey uh, in the end zone, that's one that he probably wants back. We talk about the slow starts. You know, he's had a fumble and an interception in back-to-back games in the first quarter. So uh, he's not on, like, my short, you know, my even my – mediocre me, medium list of things that are wrong with this football team. And he's probably covering up a lot of things at the same time. You know, we're talking about this guy is one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the NFL. Maybe the young quarterback that you would want to build your franchise around. Uh, I do think there's a, you know, a little bit more he's probably capable of doing. It's funny. Our buddy, Mike, Mike Lombardi from the ringer who, who you know, blasted also Doug Peterson. contributes to the athletic. He does. And yeah. he, I like, I like his articles. I mean, he's got takes and I, I like Mike Lombardi. He, I remember him coming on with Angelo last year because he, you know, he blasted Doug before the season. He and sure then he did. Came on bef- during the year every week, and he kept kind of doing it, even though the Eagles were playing well. And I remember him. He kept saying, "You know, Carson's rescuing them. It's third and nine every time, and Carson just makes some sort of crazy play, first down over the middle, and the drive continues." This year, that's different, and the team is different. Not he might have been onto something that that was just like this. Maybe this offense and the scheme wasn't as great as we thought. And it was like, wow, Carson's just rescuing them. Yeah, I mean, there. You know what? You know what's funny about the third down thing is their percentage is almost identical. Doug mentioned that to because he reads the Athletic Philadelphia. <laughs> he he did mention that it is almost identical. What's interesting is that in a lot of these different categories, the Eagles. You know, Doug said it today, and he's right. They're not that far off their pace from last year, but there's been this offensive explosion around the league. And so whereas you might be the same percentage, you ranked seventh last year, and this year you're 12th. And so while everybody else is sort of moving forward and inching forward and figuring things out and being innovative, it's like a bad year to be taking a step back because it really, I mean, that's why they're only scoring 22 points per game. It reminds me of the steroid era in baseball. Like if you're a 30 home run hitter, right. that's cool. But then everyone's hitting right. 50. Well, 30's not and, quite and as good. And walks Brady Anderson, and all of a sudden, <laughs> here we go. That's right, 50 home runs in the leadoff spot. Let's grab Alex from Mania talking Carson Wentz. What's up, Alex? Not much. Thanks for taking my call, guys. You got it, Alex. What's on your mind? Well, the one thing that, you know, I was thinking about is when when Carson Wentz was out there last year, you've got this, you know, second-year quarterback that's coming up to the line, you know, every play, every game, and looks like he's a seasoned veteran quarterback, you know, reading defensive schemes, you know, calling things out, changing the play, calling audibles. You know, this year, it's like they're rushing to the line. It's like he's not even looking at what, what the defense is in front of him. And he just looks like a different quarterback. You know, you would have thought that he was in his fifth or sixth year last year, you know, and and this year it's like he's regressed backwards. I mean, I mean, tell me what you guys think, but I mean, I just don't see the same quarterback out there reading defensive packages, calling plays, making changes. 
you know, to make stuff happen before the ball snaps. Well, it's an interesting perspective. I, mean, so, I think Sunday, Alex, we appreciate the call. The, the interception he threw on Sunday, that was weird. That was not the typical Carson Wentz kind of interception. That was his worst interception of the year. I mean, yeah. he's only had three, but that but, was a bad one. That yeah. was unlike him. Usually yeah. it's it's a different kind of interception. Right. It's in traffic or it's uh, tipped or something. Yeah, trying to force something yeah. in there. That was just a linebacker that he didn't see. I mean, it is an interesting point that Alex brings up. Last year it was a big storyline about how much Wentz was doing at the line of scrimmage, changing run plays, making checks, all of that. You know, I, I think he still does have control of a lot of that stuff. But, you know, I, I, maybe there is some validity to it's not happening as much. I mean, I think the first drive on Sunday, they should just hand him the keys and say, look at what you're seeing at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he wants that control. You know, make checks however you want it. Call the plays and let's see if you can finally get off to a fast start with some tempo. You think he'll just run that one North Dakota State play? Yeah. Play not? after play after yeah. play? Just or, brings out the old North Dakota State playbook. Or just do, I mean, when you're playing football in the in the backyard, the out and up. I mean, it's, it's uh, impossible love, love, to defend. Love the out and up. Just keep doing that. Make this it is easy. Yeah, come on. All right, let's hit on our third big question here. This one about accountability. So Jason Kelsey today spoke, and you guys were there, and he had – you know, he talked about accountability as maybe part of the issue for this year's team. Jason Avant, a former Eagle, was on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia yesterday and basically said, look, these guys aren't listening to Doug. I'm paraphrasing him, but they don't maybe respect Doug as much as they did last year. He's not getting through to them. Is accountability an issue? Is this a coach player not on the same page? Like, is that, that part of this? You know, uh, Jay, I was there. Jason Kelsey spoke for about 10, 12 minutes. And he held you, court, huh? You know, you were really trying to hammer down on what he was saying, because, yeah, he did use the word accountability uh, multiple times. He pointed out that some guys like, you know, Brent Selleck and Torrey Smith and LeGarrette Blunt aren't there. And my take was that he wasn't coming in strong and calling anybody out. I felt like what he was pointing out was that last year's team had a bunch of guys who uh, their habits were very good. They were professionals. They kind of knew exactly what they were doing. There weren't mental errors. You didn't have to worry about them. Um, on Sundays, and I think he was pointing out, you know, this year we've just had turnover. It's it's a young running back group. You have a rookie tight end behind Zach Ertz. We have had injuries on the offensive line. It's just different faces, and for everyone to kind of be pulling in the same direction, whether it's throughout the week or on Sundays, that hasn't been happening. So, I, I mean, it was tough to read exactly what he meant, but, yeah, to be fair, he used the word that, you know, the biggest difference with this team is that they don't have the accountability that they had last year. I wasn't there. I read all the quotes. Is it wrong that uh, this is not like the reason that they are four and five, but is it wrong that the first thing I thought about was Wendell Smallwood's pass protection? No. I'm Probably not totally fair. I, I, I thought about it when I heard it. I listened to it the audio. It was the first thing I thought about was yeah. the, you know, the lack of pass pro from the running backs and specifically Wendell Smallwood, who, after some self-scouting, barely saw the field last week. Yeah, that's fair. And then there are little like nuanced things that you know we don't always pick up on, like that last fourth down to Zach Ertz last week. Nelson Aguilar does a terrible job with his route on that play. And if you see, there's another defender right in the area of Zach Ertz. He's got to kind of change the way he's running that route a little bit. And it helps a little bit and it causes a little bit for him to be running short and only six yards. So I think there's, it's just not as crisp. There are little things here and there that they are just messing up, it seems like, on a weekly basis at the worst times. And the little things are making a big difference. Of course, yeah. And a lot of focus on the first play of the game last week against the Cowboys right. where where – you know, you've got you're coming off a bye. You got the whole two weeks to dial up your uh, a one play, and it's this play that gets blown up with Zacherts blocking Demarcus Lawrence, and just you know gets blown up. So that's not exactly how they designed it, obviously. No. So you know, if you're not crisp on the first play of the game, 
That's probably not a good portent for what's to come. Yeah, it was, a, it was an ominous beginning for the Eagles. Yeah. It led to a bad night. All right, we'll come back on the other side. We have Birds with Friends, Shield and Bo with us. And coming up, we have Goldie Finch and the Three Errors. We'll explain, and we will talk about it. Bo, why don't you tell everyone how they could sign up for The Athletic? Theathletic.com slash WIP gets you 30% off and a free one-week trial to check out everything we've got on Theathletic.com slash Philly, covering all four Philly sports. Check out Shield's breakdown that dropped today of some of the plays that made a big difference in the Cowboys game. Who's to blame? The coaches or the players. We'll talk about it. Stay right here. Spurs with Friends Radio, Sports Radio 94, WIP. The biggest thing that you see, in my opinion, oh, oh, this team the last year, at least offensively, is the cohesion, the, the, um, the, the people being accountable to the job that they're asked to do, everybody being on the same page. You know, last year, it just seemed like everything was clicking, everybody. You know, we had, we had guys like, you know, Brent Selleck, who had been here a long time, who was very accountable. Tory Smith, who had been in the league for a long time, very accountable. Uh, you know, Matt Collins is a guy that gave great effort. You know, Garrett Blount, all these running backs that, you know, they had their limited amount of stuff that they had to know, but they knew what to do and they knew how to do that those things. Um, that's what we're missing. I mean, we're, we're missing that accountability to take the truth. And uh, we're missing everybody just doing their job. Understand. And it's hard. There's little fine coaching details, little things that uh, you know make a big difference at the end of the day. There, you know, there's something apropos there about uh, he said everyone not being on the same page, and he's trying to be all serious <laughs> while the team is, is not doing well. They're playing just, cornhole. That's what's going that's on. That's what's going on. Yeah, yeah. right they're behind playing, him. They're playing cornhole right behind him. You know what? That 30-second clip might sum up the four and five Eagles right there. <laughs> I think that's about right. Everyone's on that the same the page. Most, that, I will tell you, playing cornhole, that was the most we have seen Haloti Nada in the locker room all year long. Or the most he's done all year <laughs> long, honestly. Well, on that note, let's talk about Goldie Finch and the three errors. Bo, explain what we're doing here uh, as we uh, kind of hand out a yes, little blame. please explain. All right. Well, Sheil had the idea yesterday. We want to talk about whether guys are getting the appropriate amount of blame for the things that are going on with this 4-5 and five football team. Goldie Finch and the three errors. Gold Finch, of course, is a bird mm-hmm. instead of Goldilocks. We're talking about errors. Goldie Finch and the three birds. I want you to tell me whether the heat on these people is too hot, too cold, or just right. Okay, let's do it. Let's start with one we uh, touched on a little bit already, and, and I think I know where you land on this one, Joe. Let's talk about Carson Wentz. Is he getting enough heat for the state of this team? You know, we've talked about the Eagles' uh, points per game, just about 22 points. In the seven games with Carson Wentz, it's just 22.6, not that much better. Is Carson Wentz getting enough blame, not enough blame, or just the right amount of blame? Not enough blame. It feels like he's not allowed to be blamed by, by a lot of people who don't want to look at everything else going on with the team except him. And I, I was looking like this. The quarterback is number one. If, if, if he, he could rescue them, I'm not saying he, he has to play a lot better than he is because he's completing over 70% of his passes. But there's been a few moments where this season's teetering and he can rescue them and he hasn't done it. And then... Sunday, he started off really poorly in the game that they needed to win. I'm saying he's not getting enough blame so far. This is a very tough one for me, I, I only because he is in his third season. If I think if he had this exact stretch in year five or six, I would be with you. I and the would, whole city would be too by then. Yes, <laughs> you're story. probably right. I would say he's not getting enough blame. Come on, this guy's supposed to carry him. And I do, in a sense, feel that way. That, you know what? Like, that's why you have the star quarterback for when things aren't going right everywhere else. He just kind of carries you and he carries uh, the offense. If the offense were scoring, you know, 30 a game and the defense was totally faltering, then I would ease up a little bit. But the problem in many ways is the offense. They're not scoring enough points, but... 
you know, on the other hand, I look at and I say, if other people were doing their jobs, he is only in his third year. The numbers are still crazy. So I'm going to say appropriate amount of blame. I think if we did this last week, I might agree with you, but I feel like the heat has been turned up a little bit as people get frustrated and watch them lose to the Cowboys. So I'm going to say that the temperature is just right, a, a, a cool 71, I'll say. Okay, very nice. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with Sheil on this one. I think it's just about right. I think some of the things we don't talk about that he deserves some credit for, the moderate success that they are having on the ground, I think is a large part of him getting them in the right looks at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, in what those, success on the ground? I said whatever moderate success they've <laughs> so had. So Josh Adams won big run ground. on Sunday. <laughs> well, you know, you've seen they, they, they're running against fewer eight-man boxes okay, than all right, most all teams right. in the league. Uh, you know, those first few games, he didn't have a real – uh, NFL caliber complement of wide receivers, but I do think he he needs to play better. And and listen, those those end of game situations, zero for three now, and in, in chances to win the Eagles game, I think he he deserves the appropriate amount of heat for that. Okay. All right, Doug Peterson, the Super Bowl winning head coach. This team is four and five, guys. Is Doug Peterson getting uh, enough blame? Not enough blame, or just the right amount of blame? I think he's getting too much blame. Interesting. Too much blame for what's going on. I think the issues, here's why I'll say it. I saw a stat this week that the Eagles have had five games this year of 375 yards of offense or more and 24 points or less in those games, which is hard to imagine. Like, usually you move the ball all game, you're going to put some points on the board. I think there are, I see there are plays to be made they're not making. Like, Sunday in particular, Alshon was wide open up the sideline. And yeah. I, I don't know what happened there with Carson, whether he just double clutched, the pressure was coming. There, yeah, when I rewatched it, Sayamalu was getting pushed back okay. into him, so he needed to kind of throw a rope in there. And, and you don't see a Wentz ball kind of float out there like it did there. And, and the so, safety came over and tipped yeah, it. Yeah, man. But nice he's open. Like, Alshon's yeah, open. Right. Then there was a play in the front of the end zone where it looked like him and Alshon were on the same page. Alshon yes. wanted to sit yes. down, and Carson maybe thought he was going to keep going. Like, those two plays turn out differently, and there's there's close to 30 points on the board. I mean, that's a touchdown that came off the board. So I I think with Doug, we, we go so often go to play calling or run pass. I think he gets too much heat, at least this week he is. Another very tough one. I've kind of scribbled and, uh, you know, my answer on this little sheet here multiple times. I'm going to say he's getting the appropriate uh, amount of blame. You know, you win a Super Bowl. And then you're writing the book, and you're kind of, oh, you know, I was at the Combine, and Sean McVay's asking me how cool it is to be so aggressive. Well, with everything and everything comes back to Sean McVay with you. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Uh, and so, you know, if you're going to have that kind of offseason, and, and really, you know, I think I actually still believe in Doug Peterson. I've heard, you know, calls this week to the station about the right Filippo stuff, I think it's going overboard. I've heard the, you know, last year was a fluke. He is who we thought he was. I heard that one too. I, I think that stuff is way overboard. I actually still believe in him, and I think he has the right mindset to listen to voices, you know, within the organization and kind of try to figure this stuff out. I don't know if it's going to happen this year or not, but um, so I, I think he definitely deserves criticism. They haven't been as aggressive. The offense isn't nearly as good. Those are absolutely valid criticisms. And even with the execution stuff, it's like the coach's job is to get the players to execute. So I'm not as comfortable saying, all right, it's execution. The players aren't doing their jobs. Well, you know, what are you screwing up during the week where they don't know what they're doing in that situation? So that that is my take. He might be right, but it's a poor reflection on him. It, it really might yeah. be execution, but it's his job, like right. you said, to exactly. coach that. Well, and that's why I'm going to say it's Lay not hot into enough. Him. Lay into him. I think, uh, I think it's too cold. <laughs> I think for those reasons, I think the offense, he's getting the appropriate amount of blame. But I think, you know, Jason Kelsey talking about guys not being accountable, part of that comes back to Doug. You know, he has to keep 
guys accountable. And, and now they have had their share of injuries, but I think the injury stuff is overplayed. They had just as many, if not more, key injuries last year. Uh, Offensively, especially. You know, one of the, it bugs me what happened with Golden Tate the other day. They trade a third-round pick for this guy, and he plays less than 30% of the snaps. You had an extra week. He came in during the bye. You have two weeks. You can't get him on the field. You have, you have two uh, targets towards him. I just I think there's something a little bit missing with the guys in the locker room and, and just sort of the crispness of things that are going on with Doug. I, I still believe in him as a head coach. Of course, he has proven that. I'm not, I'm not calling for any ouster, but I think this has been not a great job by him. I think he gets too much blame for the minute-to-minute play-by-play with the offense, but I don't think he's gotten enough for, like last year he had every note right in terms of getting through to the, his football team. From the start of the season when he's, he basically said, I believe in you as a championship caliber team when he had the whole yeah. comment about the Packers, the same kind of talent as the 96-97 Packers, which I thought was crazy, but he was kind of right. Yeah. They won a Super Bowl. And then as the year went on, he just knew when to push the right buttons. This year, I feel like all year he struggled to figure out what's the right message. That, that's a great point. I'm switching to both. I'm saying too cool. That's right because, you I, know. I destroyed my own point. I yeah, said he's I getting know. too much. But, but, now I'm saying but you're right. More. You know, it, it's the new normal and it's the Super Bowl, uh, you know, banner in the locker room. And the players say, get that out of here. And then it's after the one game. He, what was the weird thing he said? No one believes in us <laughs> the anyway. Pressure's off yeah. or the pressure's off. Well, and what about you the know? what about the come down and coach with me for oh, on the yeah. sideline? You can't oh, block yeah. seven hundred pound yeah, men. No, okay, I, I'm in on. Uh, I still here's my official take. I'm in on Doug long term, but I'm going to say too cool for this. Year. Well, and I'll tell you one other reason why I think okay. it's maybe this is open not, season now on Doug Peterson. <laughs> well, I'm going to lead into. We're going to talk about Mike Grow. Is he getting enough heat, not enough heat, or just the right amount of heat? I think you can make a case that whatever heat Mike Groh deserves falls on Doug Peterson. Why Why not bring in anybody from the outside, even not necessarily as the offensive coordinator, but an, an outside mind heading into this season when uh, you know that the, the league is studying your offense, is going to come up with some solutions? Why, uh, why keep everything in-house? He picked him. He, he could have picked whoever he wanted to. He picked him. Yeah, yeah. The gross stuff is interesting because we've had a lot of conversations about, my, about Frank Reich and all that kind of stuff. Let's grab a phone call and then we will continue with uh, Goldie Finch and the three or Saeed and Mount Laurel. Hey, Saeed. Hey, what's going on, fellas? How you doing, bud? What's up? Nothing, yo. I, I'm just, I'm really getting sick of everyone criticizing Carson Wentz. Like, are you guys? Are, are there, is everyone kidding me right now? <laughs> Do you have you seen his numbers? Do people realize what we have here in this guy? Like, do, do, do people understand how the NFL works? It's a quarterback-driven league. You know what I mean? Teams like the Broncos or, you know, like when they won the Super Bowl a few years ago, the Seahawks can come around and win a Super Bowl on defense. But if you want longevity in the NFL, you need an elite quarterback. And that's what we have here. But has he played that we way? Have... Sayed, has he played like an elite quarterback this year compared to all the other quarterbacks? I don't think he has. I mean, I, I think if you look at his numbers – He's got 15 touchdowns and three interceptions. I know, but if you look across the board, a lot of different categories. He's fifth, he's sixth, he's seventh, he's eighth. He, last I mean, year he was first in a lot of things. Or second or third. That. I mean, people, I mean, quarterbacks have down years. I mean, people, the Saints are high right now, but where the hell has Drew, Drew Brees been for the last, like, what? He was seven and nine from fourteen to sixteen. Yeah, but he, he doesn't really have. Da- but he doesn't really have down years. His team might, which you could put some blame on him. But he, Drew has, Brees he is, has he has years where he doesn't uh, he throws a lot of picks. I'm, I'm just saying we should all be grateful to have this. We should all be grateful to have this guy on our team. I think that's true. He is he, he is 
our quarterback. He's going to be here for us for the next 10 to 15 years. If we win, it will be because of him and nobody else. We're in every single game because we have Carson Wentz. Well, I mean, Syed, I hear you. Syed, I hear you. And I agree agree with you that we should be excited that he's the quarterback. We appreciate the call. But – I mean, the last point, they won a Super Bowl without Carson Wentz last year. Like, no. I don't think Syed's that far off, to be no, perfectly well, honest. Well, the thing is, like, two, two things can be right. Everything you said is right is that, yeah, you should be absolutely grateful and excited that this guy's going to be your quarterback for a long time. You can believe in him. You can think he's going to bring you multiple Super Bowls. You can think there's no one else you want to build your franchise around. All that is right. And then you could also say, you know what, I, in terms of, Parsing out blame, I feel like maybe in certain spots, there's a little bit more I would like from him this year. Also, Those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. No, they don't. And if we're being fair, we said the, you know, we criticized the Eagles and their offense because they're down compared to the rest of the league. Well, Carson's numbers may have jumped in some areas, but he's not the number one quarterback in the league this year. He's not even number two. I would say he's more, yeah. if we're looking at an honest ranking of quarterbacks, where would you put him right now? Just off the top of your head, fifth, sixth, seventh? Fourth. Fourth or fifth. Okay. But that's. That's okay. I mean, that's still pretty good. That's it's pretty good. It's not the best. Not second best. I think yeah. last year he was that. He so was, if he's not the best, then he deserves blame? No, but I think if the team goes down and he's not the best quarterback in the league, we have to be able to... We if have he's to, the fourth best quarterback in the league and the team still has a 4-5 and five record, I think that falls... Well, on some other people. I agree with that, but I think he's been more like the sixth or seventh. Can you best be the fourth best? Look at this. Can, we got fireworks going on. This is this is fantastic. Can you be the fourth best quarterback when your team is twenty second in scoring? How about that? probably I mean, not? I don't know. Maybe, but yeah, I don't know. Not. I would. I, I mean, think I most fourth, years I that would not be the case. Either, so. <laughs> okay, yeah, I would. I would say between five and ten. I think. I think that's fair. All right, we'll come five back. And ten. Yeah. yeah. Mahomes, too low. Br- Mahomes, Breeze, Goff. Sure. Uh, okay, fine. Play. This year, Rivers is probably Rivers, better. Rivers, Rogers, right. Ro- so Matt Ryan's sense. having a ridiculous season. The Matt Ryan can't throw the ball from me to you. Well, it's again, it's not but saying it you would rather his, have these yeah, guys. It's just sort of better. when you look at the sample size of you know whatever. Andrew Luck Seven led by games. Frank Reich. Andrew Luck's got a million touchdown passes. Like what I'm seeing out of him. All right, we'll, well come back. He's also getting help from Scott. I don't think he's been sacked in four games. So he has if you not. want to point to missing Frank Reich, that's it. Well, right. we will talk about that. Goldie Finch and the three errors. We'll do more of that on the other side. This is Birds with Friends Radio. She'll tell us how we could sign up for the athletic. Theathletic.com slash WIP. Seven day free trial, thirty percent off, uh, no ads, no autoplay videos. We've got every Philadelphia sports team covered in addition to great national coverage. Give it a spin. Philly Theathletic.com slash WIP. Uh, see what it's about if you haven't checked it out yet. 888-729-9494 to hop in. This is Birds with Friends Radio, Sports Radio 94 WIP. I think that I'm an incredible human being. The voice there of Jimmy Butler joining Birds with Friends Radio. He thinks he's an incredible human being. He's an incredible basketball player. Human being? I'm not going to say he is or isn't. You don't think he's an even hashtag even better guy? <laughs> I would say no. He's too good of a player. This is a pet peeve for Bo and I on Birds with Friends is when an athlete gets called, you know, oh, he's a good player, but an even better guy, like about Drew Brees. There's no chance that could be possible. He's one of, he's one of like, the, you know. It's true. Th- five best quarterbacks of all time or something. Yeah. You know, call it, be conservative. 50 best players of, of football of all time. You think he's one of the 50 best human beings of all time? Yeah. Give me a break. It, it is, stop it that. is over the top. You should yeah, you respond back like, no, you're not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's impossible. I think Even he, LeBron, like, you know, he opens the school. That's fantastic. He's the best player of all time. He's not, the, he's not yeah. an even better person. So if we were to Goldie Finch and three errors that, would we say that they're, get, he's, they're getting too much credit as people? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah. 
I think if anyone uses an even better guy on your show, they're they're just banned. Lifetime. Well, it's got to be. It's we can't have a Carson Wentz conversation. It's got to be a bad player. You know, yeah, someone who stinks but is doing great work in the community. At least he's a nice guy. That's yeah. usually here when they stink. They're a nice guy. Yeah. When they're I good, I'm not a peasant. <laughs> right, that guy. All right, let's go back. Goldie uh, Finch and the three errs. Goldie Finch and the three errs. We never, we never did Mike Grow. We so just touched on him. Tell me, do you think the the heat on Mike Grow is too hot, too cold, or just right? I think it's too cold because no one talks about Mike Grow. Well, should they be talking they about should. Mike He's Grow? He's the offensive coordinator. I mean, Doug gets talked about when the offense isn't doing well. The offensive line, running backs, players, Carson now with us. It's almost like Mike Gross here, but no one even knows it. And no, everybody talks about it as the absence of Frank Reich. As and if George, there's John no Filippo. coordinator there. As if, as if Mike Rowe has no uh, he's a like, can control over his own job. Like he, he's not just he's not, as like he's some sentient uh, lamppost. He's not getting enough heat because he is a real person who might not be doing a good job. <laughs> I think it's probably the right amount only because it's Doug's offense. Doug, you know, Doug's calling the plays. Doug's implementing everything now. I will say. The one role that Frank Reich we know played last year was hanging out with Doug in the hotel room on Saturday nights and scripting out the first 15 plays going over it, and they were fantastic in the first quarter. This year, averaging 2.3 points per game in the first quarter. Ranks 32nd in the NFL. So it's like the one thing we know that might grow has something to do with they're doing terrible at. So I think it, I think it's fair to give some criticism there. And there was a very cagey moment in Tuesday's press conference when somebody asked Micro about what his specific responsibilities were in the game plan. He's like, oh, I'm not going to get into that. I, he doesn't want there to be anything they're to feeling the specifically pin yeah. on him. So no doubt. I will uh, I will say that it's I, I think it's not quite Hot enough. I think it's it's a little bit too oh, cold, but okay. close to, close to just right. Okay. All right. How about Jim Schwartz, this man who has, uh, as we said earlier on Birds of Friends Radio, low those weeks ago, a top five defensive DVOA each of his last, I think, four seasons as a solo defensive coordinator. This year they are seventeenth, not that great. Uh, however, he has had uh, some injuries on his side of the ball. Is Jim Schwartz getting too much heat, not enough heat, or just the right amount of heat? I think he's actually getting too much heat, and I have not been uh, immune to criticizing Jim Schwartz this season. There have been games where I've actually, you know, would lead off with him as a person to blame. However, the calls for, you know, fire the defensive coordinator, I think, are way over the top when you look at the state of defense in the NFL and how there really aren't that many good defenses. And you look at the, I mean, look at the guys who were suiting up last week. T.Y. McGill, Josh Sweat, Rasul Douglas. Corey Graham, Trey Sullivan. Like, didn't they have two Sullivans out there at one point? They did. <laughs> please, Tandon and Trey. Yeah, please show me the defensive coordinator this side of Wade Phillips who's capable of, you know, turning that into a great defense. So I think actually beginning of the year, maybe the first six, seven games, I think the criticism was fair. Now with kind of who he's working with, you know, if they do any better than mediocre, it would be a miracle. I, I agree, Shea, with I agree with Shill said. I think he gets too much uh, heat around here. One, I mean, they blew leads, which is always tough to to defend a defensive coordinator when your team is up 17 points in a fourth quarter and you lose. But the at the end of the day, it's a 60-minute game. When your offense only scores 17, it's hard to say the defensive people lost that game. It's on the offense. And then Sunday was bad. I don't think they were – they just didn't play well. The energy we talked about. But in the fourth quarter, I looked down and I said, who are these guys yeah. in the field? And I don't no. think Dak Prescott's much, but he's, you know, he's an NFL quarterback. And Ezekiel Elliott is really good. I'm not surprised they couldn't stop those guys in the fourth quarter. They had two Sullivans. They shouldn't have any Sullivans on the field. <laughs> it's hard to say 
and I mean, I think we can peg the Titans' loss on Jim Schwartz. It's hard to say how much cr- or blame he deserves for the turnover thing, right? You know, is is that a should he be able to f- scheme up more turnovers? No, I or, don't think so. You know, Camus dropping a, a pick six yeah. that you know. It's I, I, it's hard for me to pin that on the defensive coordinator. I think the the reason they're not getting those turnovers is because the pass rush is not as fierce as it was last year, and so they're not getting those those opportunities. And that probably falls more on just the, the roster construction than I think it does on Jim Schwartz. It so also I, could go I think back to offense right. because they were up last year. When you're up, teams are throwing, and they're throwing down the field to try to catch up. There's more of a chance. Way to, to contextualize it. Very pass nice. rush and turnovers. Yeah. This year, the other teams are up on them. And there's also a randomness to it. Like, we don't want to admit it. The coaches don't want to admit it. But they scored five defensive touchdowns last year. You know, that's 35 points. That's over two points a game difference. So when you look at the scoring 22, they scored uh, 28 last year. Like, that makes up for two points of it. And, you know, you would think there would be some positive regression coming at some point. But I don't know. If they're going to be dropping potential pick sixes, it's just, you know, they're not going to get handed to you any better than that, I guess. All right. Well, let's close out with the, the last big one. Howie Roseman. The roster construction of this team is Howie Roseman, after being the architect of a Super Bowl winning team and landing Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, is he getting too much heat, not enough heat, or just the right amount of heat? It's funny because we were going over this idea, and then you brought up Howie Roseman, and I thought, I don't know, Joe, has anyone called in and criticized Howie Roseman? Only when I... I opened a show like a, a month ago saying some of this is on Howie. Like okay. this, this team is, the depth is not there. Yeah. And they've, they're wasting, I don't know, 15, 16, $17 million in cap room on guys that don't play. Nick Foles, yeah. Chance Warmack. I mean, we, and if you want to include Jason Peters who plays, but is not playing at a high level, yeah. almost $30 million in cap room go to guys that aren't making a big impact. That At some point, that's on Howie Roseman. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, don't get me wrong. I don't think he's, do much blame here. I think he's probably at the bottom of the list, but for the fact that I haven't heard like anyone mention anything about it, I'm going to say he's not getting enough heat because of, you know, you mentioned, you can point out mistakes that they've sort of made. You know, you look at the sort of Darren decision to bring back Darren Sproles and Jason Peters and some of the older guys taking up a lot of cap space that hasn't worked out. Uh, Holodi Nada, you know, that certainly has not worked out. They cannot find a defensive tackle for to save their life, which really should be one of the easiest positions to fill in the NFL. Even Mike Wallace, I know he got injured before he got injured. I mean, he wasn't doing anything at all. So, you know, the personnel decisions, I think last year was probably a bit fluky where like everyone they signed, Chris Long and LeGarrette Blunt and Patrick Robinson, like everyone was a home run. You're probably never going to have an offseason like that again. And uh, you are seeing it kind of go in the other direction quite a bit this offseason. I think a lot of the problems with this year's roster are the natural repercussions of last year's Super Bowl run. So yeah. it's hard to get on him for that because it got them a Super Bowl. Right. So uh, I do think there are there are some of the offseason decisions they made with, with the older one-year guys, they did not have the same hit rate. I think there's some reasonable criticism for that. You could possibly criticize the Dallas Goddard pick for use of resources. I've never if heard you of such a thing. think that maybe a tight end wasn't worth that when he's not getting any targets in that game against the Cowboys. I criticize the Golden Tate trade. I don't know if that was a push from within of the offensive coaching staff, get us a new weapon, or if it was how he's move on his own. But uh, I do think that it's hard to give him a ton of uh, flack when – most of what's going on is because of what he built last year that got them to the mountaintop. So I would say a little bit too cold because I, I think you're right. There hasn't not been much, but I, it's hard to really give him much blame. I feel like that's your brand, Bo. If you use resources, you better use what you paid for. 
and with Goddard and with yeah. Tate, they didn't really use what they're paid for. That's, I think that's exactly. I think that's perfectly fair. That's the name of the game. It is. All right, guys. This is the Fun Birds with Friends. We'll do it again next week. Uh, Bo, why don't you tell everyone quickly what? How can they sign up for the Athletic? Theathletic.com/slash/wip gets you thirty percent off and a free one-week trial. I'm sure you're very interested in what's going on with the Sixers. Derek Bodner had a great breakdown of everything going on with the Jimmy Butler trade, all the repercussions. Rich Hoffman had the is on the scene in Orlando. He will paint that picture, and Mike O'Connor has your X's and O's. No better place, I promise you, to unpack everything going on with the Sixers than the Athletic.com slash Philly.